This is Amazed by God, brought to you by Through God's Library. We bring you stories of faith and God's goodness shared by people like you. I pray we build and encourage your faith. If you have a story to tell, please let us know by contacting us through our website at amazedbygod.com. We would love to help you share it with the world. While you're there, check out our other ministries. And if you would like to support the work God is doing through us, you can find the details on our website or go to patreon.com forward slash Mark Now here's your host, Mark, with a story of faith. Hello and welcome, welcome to Amazed by God, brought to you by Through God's Library. This is your host, Mark Stitchin. And with me today is Chuck McWhorter. How are you doing today, man? I'm doing great, Mark. How are you? I, I am I'm doing well. I, I know uh, we're, we're recording this, actually. It's the first one I'm trying with this new app. Um, and uh, so you're in, you're in Texas right now. Is that correct? That's correct. Just southeast of Houston, down by NASA. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I've, I mean, I've only been down there once, but uh, I know we've been having a major heat wave up here in, in Maryland. Uh, how's it? How is the weather down there? I can't imagine the better. It's even hotter. Yeah, we we live inside of a heat wave, so uh, <laughs> it's just twenty four seven. Yeah, pretty much. Um, pretty much. So, uh, just a little little background for for the people listening today. We we actually met at the Museum of the Bible uh, here in, uh, in D.C., not too far from me, and and uh, uh, we were we just kind of randomly started talking after uh, looking and hearing some some things going on, and um, I, I found found you and and your your personality and your love for the Bible and and the history and. And just the apologetics, as I got to know a little more of you, um, I found that fascinating and very intriguing. Um, uh, you know, w- why did you come up there? Well, so we were we were up there for the weekend. We were celebrating uh, my wife Amy's birthday, who you also met there. Yes. And we had uh, we were just going to be up there for a Friday, a Saturday, and then leaving on a Sunday. And when we kind of picked the one thing to do, we saw the Museum of the Bible, and we that's where we wanted to spend our uh, our Saturday there in in Washington D.C. That's awesome. So you you did you did you come up there knowing it was there, or is that something that you just kind of decided to do? Well, yeah, we we had um, in my previous career, I did a lot of travel, so I've been you know, throughout the U.S. And my wife, who has not done a lot of travel, uh, had never been to the Washington, D.C. area. And so I asked her if if she wanted to go up there and see some of the monuments and some of the sites. And as we were looking around, we found that Museum of the Bible, which is fairly new, mm-hmm. was there. And so we decided to make that kind of our, our main stop on that Saturday. That's awesome. Um, and we were on kind of a tour together, um, <laughs> going through and, and looking at, at, at some different things and, and the Dead Sea Scrolls in, in their biggest, uh, exhibit there. Um, mm-hmm. uh, why, why did you decide to take that one? Well, um, part of, part of that was I, um, have been fascinated with, uh, archaeology and just many of the things that we've discovered that have, um, confirmed much of what we read in the Bible. 
And so when I saw that they had an exhibit dedicated to the Dead Sea Scrolls, I, I definitely wanted to go on a specific tour of that to see kind of as they walked through. And one of my favorite topics of, of study is just the historical preservation of the scriptures and the historical specifically around the New Testament and how it has been preserved since um, since the original writings. And so uh, that that particular tour appealed to us the most out of all of them. And so um, that was the one that we you and I met on. Yeah, well, we started talking about some different things and uh, the things that we were looking at and, and, and reading. And, you know, it just was, it kind of, kind of spawned from there, spawned into the conversation. And then I, I found out, you know, uh, what you're doing in your ministry. Uh, would you like to share a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. And, and I appreciate that, Mark. You know, we, um, my wife and I joined a ministry team a little over a year ago called Ratio Christi. And Ratio Christi is Latin. It stands for um, Reason for Christ. And Ratio Christi is a campus ministry. So it's focused on university students and helping university students know the truth of Christianity through exploring Christian apologetics. Now and so on, we're... You're on secular campuses or... Christian campuses? Uh, on both. On both. We we focus okay. on university campuses throughout the U.S. So we're, we're on about 200 campuses currently to date uh, throughout the U.S. And we also have some chapters internationally. And our focus is putting uh, academically trained Christian apologists onto university campuses to uh, help students stand firm in their faith and know what the historical, philosophical, and scientific evidence is that supports the uh, Christian beliefs. That's awesome, because I know a lot of kids go away to college and they don't get that. They get the exact opposite of what they've been taught. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I've, I've had more, you know, being a youth pastor, I've had more kids come back to me and go, man, I, the things that you taught me in youth group you know, we're really challenged by my professors. <laughs> definitely. Definitely. We've had we've had many students where they've walked in day one to class and they've had a professor uh, greet them in class and tell them things like, you know, by the end of this semester, you will see that there's no evidence or no reason for you to rationally hold on to your faith. Mm -hmm. And so it's, uh, you know, the university can be a very hostile environment for the Christian student. And so we want to, we want to make sure that we come in and, and we really challenge our students intellectually. And we want to give a strong intellectual voice supporting the Christian worldview there on the uni university. That's awesome. Uh, uh, before, before we kind of get into to a little bit of what God's done in your life, can you share with mm -hmm. our listeners, you know, uh, a website or somewhere they can look you guys up, you up, anything like that? Sure, definitely. So I'm the chapter director for Rice University here in the Houston area. And people can find out more about our ministry if they go to ratiochristi.org. And that's spelled R-A-T-I-O-C-H-R-I-S-T-I dot org. And, you know, for those who have a passion for apologetics and a passion for 
the next generation. There's plenty of information there as to how they can get involved and either partner with us or even come on board and join the organization. That's awesome. And and if you're listening to this and you're already interested, uh, the, the, the link to that will be in the show notes of this episode. So, Chuck, here at Amazed by God, we like to kind of hear stories of what God's done amazing in our life. So I ask you, what has God done in your life? Well, I, I would I would have to start off with the most amazing thing God has done, and that is that has saved me as as a sinner and loved me in my sin. Um, and I think that for all of us that that follow Christ and profess Jesus as Lord, that would be the most amazing thing for each of us. But as I as I was thinking about about the questions, you know, I I point I think back to a very pivotal point uh, just a few years ago in um, my marriage and and in the life of our family. Um, when I when I met my wife uh, and we were dating and and throughout our marriage, she um, she had headaches, you know, and and you've. You've met my wife and, you know, I, I will very gladly say I married the most beautiful woman in the world. <laughs> and, um, you know, I, one of the things that my wife always loved is I had the ability to make her laugh. And, but one of the problems as we were dating and early on in our marriage is she, she would get headaches, really bad headaches that would, um, it would basically shut her down for a day. Uh, it could come on from sneezing, from laughing, uh, just random things. And she would get these really bad headaches. And then we start, started seeing other symptoms where she would be maybe uh, eating soup or drinking liquid. And all of a sudden, she'd forget how to swallow. Mm. And she went to so many doctors over the years, just numerous doctors year after year. And ENT doctors, gastrointestinal doctors. And all kinds of different medications, modif modifications to diet, everything. And, and finally, her ENT doctor in 2013 said, look, I've done everything I know how to do. You do not have sinus issues. You need to go and see a headache specialist. And so we started, she went down the path of seeing a headache specialist. It took almost four months to get in to see a particular specialist. And he had her get an MRI, and it came back that she had a uh, fairly rare condition called Chiari malformation. And I'm going to sound like a really smart medical person here, but when <laughs> you kind of walk the road we've walked, I, I've, yeah. I've learned a lot about it. And what it, what it is is when the cerebellum, which is the back part of the brain, doesn't have enough room, it will it – will, um, slip down and herniate down and start clamping off the top of the spinal cord. And that creates a, almost like a damning effect. And it, it, the cerebral spinal fluid that comes up from the tailbone begins to expand. And you start to have a lot of different neurological symptoms, but they're all over the place. They're hard to diagnose. So we find out about this condition. We sit down with the doctor and he says, there's two problems that I see here. One is the Chiari malformation. And the other is you have this slightly herniated disc in your, in your, uh, in your neck. And I don't want to do surgery first. I want to try and work on that disc. So we're going to do physical therapy. Well, so she gets in. A few weeks later, she's in my truck headed down the freeway, headed to a doctor's appointment. 
and she gets rear-ended from behind. She gets in a major car accident. The guy was driving a Ford Expedition and hit her going so fast that he totaled his Expedition. Um, her head slammed against the headrest, and uh, she was rushed to the hospital. Um, she said she, it felt like somebody had poured cold water down the top of her head, and it just tingled throughout her whole body. Well, so we call her neurologist and say kind of, well, now what? And he's like, I can't see you anymore. You have trauma, and I don't work with trauma patients. Now, it would taken us four months to get in. And, you know, here we are. My wife can't lay down. She has to sleep sitting straight up. She has major whiplash. Also, some what we found out later, there's an occipital nerve behind her ear, and uh, that was damaged. So she had what was called occipital neuralgia. In short, she felt like an ice pick was being stuck into her ear. And um, so we... We can't get into any neurologist, and this is right around the holidays. So we start opening up, op literally got on the computer and opened up Yellow Pages and started calling neurologists here in Houston. The only one that we could get into was Dr. Dong Kim, and he's um, with Misher Neuroscience. Now, here's here's where, where God really got involved, and we didn't realize this until looking back. First off, Dr. Dong Kim... He was the only neurosurgeon, neurologist that we could get in to see. And he was the very person that operated on Congresswoman Gabrielle Giffords when she was shot. And he is arguably one of the top neurosurgeons in the Houston Medical Center. And he's the only one that we could get in to see. When we went in and sat down with him, he then explained to us that not only does he specialize in all kinds of different brain surgeries, but Chiari malformation is his top specialty. He is one of the top specialists in the world around the very rare condition that my wife has. He also said that there was no additional damage to my wife's head or spine as far as it relates to her condition, hmm. and that it was a miracle that she was standing in front of him. He said that he had had Chiari patients with less severe uh, conditions slip in their kitchen and become quadriplegics. Oh, wow. He said that she was going to be the next person on his schedule for surgery. And he said, had she gone down the path of physical therapy, what her original doctor had recommended, it could have paralyzed her. Ooh. We found all of this out within the first 15 minutes of our visit. And um, I remember stepping out into the waiting room and, and Amy just sitting down in one of the chairs. She just collapsed. You know, we had just found out that not, she, not only is she going to have brain surgery, but she had narrowly, by a miracle, um, not been killed, not been paralyzed. Her... Even though she had this major car accident with massive whiplash, um, there was no change in her spine. Mm -hmm. And so we go through that process and, um, you know, as, as the, as the weeks ticked by and knowing that this brain surgery was coming up and I, and I know that this is a no joke area that he's getting ready to operate on. This is right in the back where, 
you know, all of your critical life support functions is right there in the back of the, the head, the, the, and then the brain. And I remember as we were approaching the week for the surgery, I'd, I'd felt strong in trusting in God leading up to that. And I remember as we got closer to the day, I, I could feel that I started to have a little, a few cracks in my faith. And, uh, it's been, it's been five years. It's still kind of emotional telling this part of the story. And I, as I remember the Sunday sitting in church before going to her surgery, just asking God for forgiveness because my faith was, was weak and I was scared. Yeah. I was scared that I was going to lose my wife. And if it had been any clearer, it would have been audible, but I was sitting in church and I just, you know, God, God said to me, I've got her. And immediately I, I'm not a real weepy kind of guy, but immediately I was, I was in tears. You know, he put, he put that in my heart. I knew that was from him. And there was no question about it, that it was from him. And it just, it, it broke me right there in church. We, um, it was on, let's say it was on a Wednesday. It was a Tuesday or Wednesday. She went in for surgery and, um, it was a six hour procedure. And, um, I, I wore a path in the waiting room floor. And six hours were long. Yes, that they was a were. Long six hours. <laughs> it was. You know, we had the entire family there. And um I remember Don Kim coming in to the briefing room. They pull the family back and they tell us, you know, how things went. And he he started off with, you know, the the procedure went perfectly. And those, and when, when he said the words of the procedure went perfectly, God put it in my heart again. I told you, I told you so. And it, and I've never had another experience, any other experience like that ever in my life, but it was, it was a moment in my life where, you know, my, my wife is my everything. Mm-hmm. And. And I had no control over that situation. I have no experience in, in medicine or anything else like that, uh, to that degree. And, and it was just, I could only rely on God and trust in him. And, and, um, and yeah, he, it, I look back to that moment in my life and remember how he showed up. And, you know, I could go on as to what, what what transpired after that we 2014 after her brain surgery was the toughest year of of my life mm-hmm. um you know and i won't go into a whole lot of detail after that but god I, I believe god really reminded me that he was there for me because of not just what my wife was going through but what we were about to walk through um the very weekend after my wife came home from surgery, I found out that my aunt, who I was very close to, um, had stage four pancreatic cancer. She had just been diagnosed with it. And that was my mom's younger sister. And then a week and a half after that, my dad had a heart attack on his way to work wow. and spent a month in a coma before passing. 
And then a month after that, my aunt passed. And so, you know, in a matter of, you know, four months, we had my wife who had brain surgery and that started a year and a half of recovery. My dad having a heart attack and passing, my aunt passing. And it was just, it was a, it was a valley that we walked through. And, but, you know, God was faithful through that whole thing and brought us through it. And, um, you know, we still have the scars. It's still, still very painful to look back on that, but he is, he has, um, he has strengthened us and he has, um, you know, really shown us that, that even in the toughest of times, I mean, you know, I know that people like to say sometimes that, you know, God will never give you more than you can handle. And that's just, it's not true. No, it's not true. You will have he, more than you can handle, it, but he'll bring you through it. <laughs> yeah. But he's there. He's there. He's there. So yeah, uh, how, is, how is she doing now? You know, she's great. Um, she has, you know, it, it's something that she'll still live with for the rest of her life. She has a, a basically a hole that's in her spine that goes from, all the way the, from the top of the spine, all the way down to her belly button. Um, you know, and usually that hole, it's called a cernix, is measured in millimeters. So as you can imagine, that's how long it went undiagnosed over many, many, many years. And so, um, from time to time, she'll have to get an MRI just to make sure that none of the fluid has moved or that hole has grown or anything like that. But, um, other than that, she lives a very active life, you know, no, no skydiving or roller derby or anything like that. But, uh, <laughs> other than That's, that, she's very active. Yeah. The way, the way that God moves sometimes, you know, and, and can, can, can use such what we would consider trauma or heartache or, or, or just the absolute worst thing to bring about exactly what he needed to do to, to get it to happen. I mean, you know, without that car accident, yeah. again, you don't know where you would be. That's, you know, it's just, it's one of those things that where God, you know, God was able to use yeah. something that looked totally, totally horrible for a unbelievably good thing. Absolutely. And that's one of the things that, that reminds me of the conversation when my wife kind of collapsed in the waiting room. I told her, I said, this is not, this is not a mistake. I said, mm -hmm. nothing. There's nothing that is so fast that it catches God by surprise. I said, he had control of every single vehicle, every single rock, every, the, the, every piece of metal that was involved in an access, accident. He knew exactly where it was, how everything would, would play out. I said, this is, I said, God saved you from going through physical therapy that could have paralyzed you. Yeah. Well, that, you know? that is that is an amazing story and and thankful and that it 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 is you know it turned out that way uh you know i know it had to be hard going through it you know all, all that mm -hmm. kind of pain and stuff like that hurts sometimes but we serve an amazing god that takes care of us no matter what we do amen so amen. Uh, here at amazed by god we do like to get to know a little more about you um is there any bible mm -hmm. story bible character Bible verse that has touched you over, uh, over the years and, and why? Yeah, I, um, I, I have to say that my, my favorite Bible character, uh, is, is Paul. Um, and I know okay. that's kind of, um, you know, it's like, 
Well, yeah, I, I, you'd be a lot of favorite Bible characters, yeah. but you know, I think there's a lot of reasons to love Paul. But I, I, I look at Paul's story, and you know, when you when you see somebody who, in that day and age, had everything. I mean, he was, you know, a a well trained Pharisee. I mean, it would be kind of like he went to the Harvard of schools to be a Pharisee, you know, trained under Gamaliel and, and just had everything going for him, super zealous and, and so zealous that, you know, he's at the front of the line to go and persecute this, this, uh, new gathering, this new sect of, of, of Jews that were, you know, he believed were polluting the, the teachings there. Right. And he was, he was out to persecute them. I mean, it's one thing to be, you know, zealous about your belief system, but to be willing to go persecute others. I mean, that that's a whole new level of zeal. And yet on the road to Damascus, he had this experience. You know, we, we know the story where he met the risen Jesus. And and that experience was so amazing, so captivating for him and so life changing that that he left everything. He left everything that he had. He, he left, you know, his, his, his teaching, his, you know, his resume, if you will, as a Pharisee, forsake all that he had to now go and spread this good news all the way to being persecuted. I mean, you know, you, you read the list of how Paul was persecuted, you know, beaten, shipwrecked. He, he was know. a rock star that decided to give it all up. You know, and live a <laughs> yeah. homeless life. I mean, that, there's nothing. How else do you explain it? You know, he was he was the movie star, the rock star of that day among the Jews, and and gave it all up, and and you know went and did, you know what the unimaginable, um, you know, mm. and and to live the worst life he could possibly live with his background yeah. and his pedigree. So. Yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. I, I think he serves a great, a great example, you know, to yeah, to uh, to all of us following Christ, what it looks like, um, you know, to to be a follower of Christ. Yeah. So we we also like to just kind of music moves our soul in a way that other things don't. Are there any songs over your life that that has has touched you? Um, yeah, there's been, uh, there's been quite a few, but I'm going to, I'm going to pick from uh, a more recent favorite of mine that, um, you know, I've, I've really, it's on my playlist and, and, uh, listen to it, uh, regularly. I, I'm a huge fan of Mercy Me. Okay. And, um, love, love his music. And so, um, his, one of his more recent songs, Even If. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Have you, uh, not sure if yeah, you're familiar yeah. with that, but we, we, I saw them about a month ago or so. Uh, and that was definitely okay. one they played. Yeah. And I just, I, I love the, the message behind that song. You know, even if, uh, even if everything goes wrong, even if everything's lost, you know, he's, um, you know, he's still going to praise God and, and, um, you know, I like how he brings in one of my favorite hymns, you know, um, it is well with my soul. Yep. Well, there it is. Uh, so mercy me, even if uh, you can definitely find that anywhere you, you listen to music. Well, 
Chuck, I appreciate you being on the podcast. I appreciate you sharing uh, that story of your family. And um, uh, let everybody know where we can find you again one more time. Sure. So you can find more about our ministry at ratiochristi.org. And from there, if you want to find me specifically, you can uh, go to the Rice chapter page. You can look us up on Facebook under Ratio Christi Rice, or you can find me directly on uh, Facebook under Charles McWhorter. There you go. And uh, the link to that website will be in the show notes again. Well, thank you very much. And for Amazed by God, brought to you by Food God's Library, this is your host, Mark Stitchin, and we will see you next Monday. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a five-star rating and don't forget to subscribe. Thank you for listening.